This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, uh, let's find out what's going on with the frontline workers. We hear on a daily basis where uh, there's a lot of anxiety and stress. There's burnout, too, as a consequence, because they're not properly equipped to deal with uh, what we're expecting them to deal with, which we know is unprecedented, and perhaps uh, there's something in the planning there. But nonetheless, to give us a a sense for uh, their anguish, Michael Hurley has joined us on the line. He's the president of the QP Ontario Council of Hospital Unions. Michael, good to have you on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Well, thank you so much for having me. You know, I mean, in a nutshell, how bad is the shortage? Well, it's pretty extreme, and it, it goes across the healthcare system. The paramedic bases are a bit better equipped than the hospitals, which are uh, quite a bit better equipped than the long-term care, and there's almost nothing in retirement homes or in the home care sector. So these uh, all these services are... Uh, on the edge of running out of the kind of equipment that they're going to need to keep people uh, safe, both the people that work in the service, but also, more importantly, the people who are cared for by the service. Yeah, and uh, as I understand it, you've called the shortage cruel and unfair. And uh, today was a one-day province-wide workplace action. In what form? Well, uh, all the people who worked in hospitals uh, wore a sticker that said, uh, uh, safety for patients and resident and uh, staff and the people who worked in long-term care wore one that said safety for residents and staff and so we were just drawing attention to the to the shortage and the need for the equipment and uh, calling on the provincial government to take action so it was a way that we could do that uh, you know without uh, uh, disturbing things very much yeah yeah one would hope you wouldn't uh, or wouldn't have to but I understand healthcare staff in Ontario have a limited right to refuse unsafe work. Anybody exercise that option? There have been, there's been quite a dramatic increase actually in the number of limit. We have a limited right to refuse, but there's been quite a dramatic increase in the number of people exercising uh, their rights, which is really to say, I would like the appropriate equipment to be able to uh, work safely with that patient or in this environment. Uh, and specifically, uh, usually they're asking for face shields and uh, N95 masks, which provide a, a fairly high degree of screening of the virus. Yeah. Help me out here, because if I understand this correctly, uh, the government just revoked an order that would have provided all frontline uh, health care workers with adequate protective equipment. Uh, how did they revoke it? To what extent? Well, they restricted it, really. They, they issued an order. Uh, you know, they had one as of, uh, as of Monday that covered everybody in the hospitals. Uh, it's, a, it's a hospital order, including the doctors and all of the other staff and the registered nurses. Uh, but on Tuesday, they restricted it. Um, and so then it only applied to registered nurses, which is uh, important, of course. But there are a couple of hundred thousand other people who work in the hospital environment. So we're just uh, working with them now, beginning to work with them to extend uh, those safety protections to all of the healthcare workforce, uh, because everybody is facing the same level of risk, right? And everybody who's coming into contact with a suspected or actual case of COVID needs to needs to protect themselves, and they need to do it for their own sake and their families, of course. But they also need to do it because. As they go about their duties, if they if they um, become infected with the virus, they can um, spread that infection to their coworkers, and we have shortages of most of the health professions. And also, uh, more importantly, they can spread the the virus to uh, people in hospital who 
whose immune systems are, are very weak and who are not in a position to withstand this disease. So um, it's an important uh, and it's an important issue to uh, uh, to try to get uh, some clarification on. And it's a shame that we're uh, you know uh, struggling with such a pretty fundamental issue at this point in time. So are we talking about rationing right now? Rationing is going on, absolutely. Uh, rationing is going on in, in pretty much all the facilities. A lot of these, uh, a lot of this equipment is under lockdown. Uh, you know, uh, there, there, uh, there was a large stockpile of this, which was set aside after the SARS, SARS uh, 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 virus uh, and, and all of the death and, and illness it, that it created, you know, among the public and also among healthcare workers. And there was a Royal Commission that recommended a number of things. One was to create a stockpile. Well, we let that stockpile expire of 55 million masks, and we didn't order replacements. And by the time we went to order sufficient quantities of the new equipment, we were competing with many other countries who were also ravaged by this virus. So, um, you know, we, we do have shortages of equipment. There's equipment on order, but it's not it's not uh, it's not coming uh, and so, yes, in long-term care facilities, uh, particularly ones that have this outbreak, you've got very little equipment. And in the hospitals, uh, you know, there there is uh, there is uh, uh, many many of these institutions are coming to their the limit of their of their resources on this the stockpile and the you know, the ability to give staff uh, equipment. And you know, it's uh, it's uh, you know not not at all a good development. You know, Michael, in the case of those uh, 55 million face masks that had been ordered in the aftermath of SARS, but since expired, I think 2007 was the best before date. Uh, some people have said that those would still be usable. It's just a case of uh, maybe it's a legal technicality. They don't want to be liable or uh, whoever uses them. Uh, have you heard anything along those lines? Absolutely. And uh, the manufacturer says you can still use them safely. And I know that the uh... I think the Ontario Medical Association has called for them to be used, and we're calling for them to be distributed across the healthcare system. They're they're one small part of dealing with this, and another way to deal with it is to the government has given itself very significant emergency powers, and we're calling on the government to um, order industry to produce the testing kits, the face masks, the ventilators, uh, the shields, and the other equipment that we need. Um, this stuff needs to. We we need to deal with this as though we're, you know, we're in a sort of a, a wartime situation where we take extraordinary measures, and you can't have uh, you can't have the healthcare staff without the basic precautions which are needed to safely work with this virus, or um, you know, uh, they and and the people that they care for are going to succumb, and that's you know that's our route to disaster. So we need some more energy from the government in terms of ordering uh, this stuff to uh, to be done, which is something in the U.S., right? They've ordered Gen- GM to produce ventilators. We could we could uh, order or we could order that as well here. Well, it's my understanding that this has already been put into practice when it comes to procurement. For example, the premier was saying yesterday we've got more than 300 businesses who have stepped up. He gave a big shout out today, for example, to the CEO of Linamar and Guelph, Linda Hassenfratz, because uh, they're going to be making ventilators. And then you've got the prime minister earlier today. Uh, he says 10 million masks have been brought over the, brought in over the last few days, 1 million overnight. They've ordered hundreds of thousands of face shields that Bauer, the hockey equipment uh, equipment maker, is going to produce. Uh, so is there optimism in the very near term, at least? 
Well, you know, masks came on a plane from Shanghai. The the Chinese government re, re, repaid our our um, our uh, gift to them uh, as they faced the crisis in Wuhan. But uh, you know, the truth is, on the ground, uh, we don't have the equipment. And the truth is that neither level of government is actually applying the kind of energy that they need to to secure this equipment. This isn't a time for like voluntary efforts and encouraging the private sector. This is a time for asking them to retool, to dedicate whole lines to uh, to this. They've got the power under the under their authority. Otherwise, people won't have, like we already are the bottom of, of all the provinces in terms of testing. We, we have the fewest amounts of testing going on of, uh, anywhere because we don't have the testing kits. And yet in China and in Italy, where testing was done methodically of the population and they were able to segregate out the people with the virus, they were able to uh, dramatically improve, um, you know, the numbers of people who fell sick and the number of people who died. I mean, stuff like this can't be left to a voluntary effort. It's got to be directed. It's got to be it's got to be ordered. I mean, that's that's the kind of environment we're living in. And every day that passes is a wasted day. All right. Uh, duly noted. I mean, that seems to be the ongoing concern still at this late stage, I guess if we can call it that, uh, by the frontline health care workers. Michael Hurley representing on them as the president of CUPE Ontario's Council of Hospital Unions. Michael, I appreciate you giving us that uh, stark overview. Uh, hope it gets better in the immediate. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. Well, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where you can't necessarily uh, expect people to want to get into the maw there and uh, deal with people who are infected and the like and uh, not be uh, equipped well enough on the number of uh, individuals that they stanch the bleeding, figuratively speaking, in China. Boy, uh, really, really dubious about those numbers. And there's a, a point to be made, and we'll make it later in the program with Anthony Fury and Peter Tabbins in our Thursday Sound and Fury uh, discussion, because I think a lot of this does dial back into bad information, intel, or data that was given coming out of China, and a lot of people were slow to react in the West, certainly. And uh, so we don't point fingers necessarily at our own leaders, although that's easy enough to do. But uh, a lot of that was premised on the fact that uh, we just weren't taking this as seriously or didn't think it was going to blow up to the extent that it has. Going forward, uh, we do have our daily briefing from the City of Toronto Health officials. That's coming up in just a matter of moments. On the other side of the news, in 15 minutes' time, uh, we'll be talking about uh, a good news story from Sunnybrook, just down the road from the bunker where I'm operating out of these days. And, and we'll just find out how uh, there is or there is a lot of private money coming into or business money coming into uh, the pipeline to help out. Now, when we just heard Mr. Mc, uh, Hurley suggesting that this ought to be done, by government decree uh maybe he's right i was saying you know we ought to mandate the emergency act and uh, get everybody on the same page sooner rather than later and so uh we'll find out thanks for listening to the john oakley show podcast be sure to rate review and subscribe for free at apple podcasts google podcasts and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio